another episode of The Process Podcast. I'm Charlie Witkowski, joined as always by my tag team partner, Nick Veronica. Nick, how you doing, man? I'm good, Charlie. How you? Dude, I am great. We are like two days away from the draft. Uh, I mean, it's some kind of sports, right? Like, I, I guess it's after all this time with no sports and replays of sports, I guess it's kind of a little bit more exciting this year, right? It counts. It counts. That's all that matters. It counts. It counts. I'm I'm tired of watching uh, replays of old Bill Super Bowls that and having to watch them losing those. They keep showing replays of the uh, playoff game this year that Buffalo lost. I'm like, I need some positive Bill stuff going on right now. So I feel like uh, the draft may bring some of that our way. What do you think? Yeah, it's kind of weird going into a draft when the team that you follow doesn't have a first round pick. Like it takes a lot of the the excitement out of it. Yeah, you know, it kind of does. I think it's a little bit more exciting, right? I feel like, especially this year for, 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 for Buffalo, for example, they don't have that first-round pick, but they're also, in my opinion, not in desperate need of that first-round pick. I feel like this draft specifically, they're really going in and looking more for death position players, and they're really not going in uh, and looking for too many guys to come in and, and, and try to start right away. Um, so oh I, yeah, I, definitely. They put their, the team is in a good spot, and that's exciting. I just meant you know being being a fan like specifically this weekend. Like it's so much more fun when you're like in contention for some of the top guys. That's true, but it, at the same time, it's such a deep draft that I feel like you're still going to get some of those top guys that are going to slide down to that second round, and I, I feel like Buffalo's got a really good chance there um, to to grab a couple of those of those top guys there at fifty four. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it, man. So they have no first round pick. That went to Minnesota and the Stefan Diggs trade. Uh, I, I like that. Diggs. Diggs is you, you take the pro, the proven commodity there over over the first round pick. So they have fifty four in the second round, which will be on Friday. They have eighty six in the second in the third round on Friday. Then they have a fourth, a fifth, two sixth, and a seventh on Saturday. So second round. The, the big name guys will be gone, but if if you've been following, there will be some names left at fifty four in the second round. What do you what what are you hoping to see from the Bills this weekend? Or let's say let's say day two in general with with their first two picks. What are you hoping for? What would you be upset with? Just take me through your thought process going into the weekend. So I think one position of need still, and and maybe not as much of a desperate need, but I think one thing that they need to address, they need to get a little bit younger at this point on the edge, right? They have a lot of older guys that they've brought in um, that that have that are now you know playing the edge for them. They they need those um, young guys come in, come in and now learn from those veterans, and hopefully have them um, come in and start in the next couple of years, right? Um, but I, I wouldn't be upset if they go edge early on. Um, I really don't know if there's going to be anyone sitting there 54 that I'd want to reach for. Um, but one, there's there's two guys that I really like, and if they're sitting there 54, I won't be upset with. Um, and I know it's not a big position of need for them either, but KJ Hamler from Penn State, big fan of, um, and Kyle Duggar, the safety from Lenore Rhyme. He is, he, he, I, in my opinion, he's a guy that you can bring in. Um, let him sit a year or two now behind, uh, behind Pide and Poyer. Let him learn behind those two guys. What two better guys to learn behind, right? Um, and and I, I just think he's so he's a smart safety. He's very athletic. He's got that closing speed. 
Um, he's a big hitter. He's he's a great player, and I would love to see them take a chance on him at fifty four if he's there. Yeah, and, say, say the name of that school again. Uh, Lenore Ryan. That's right. He's a, a Division two guy. Is that, that's right. Yes, yes, D2. Uh, he's gotten a lot of praise, and I think if he was at a D1 school, I think he would have uh, definitely been a, a, a first-round pick for sure. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts there, Nick? I know the other guy I mentioned as well with K- K.J. Hamler, he's a little on the shorter side for a wide receiver. He's only five foot nine, uh, 176 pounds, but, man, the guy is fast. He's a great route runner. He's not real physical, and I feel like – where Buffalo sits right now with their wide receivers outside of Stephon Diggs, we really don't have that physical receiver. Um, but I would love to see Buffalo go and try to get um, another receiver either in the second or third round. Um, even Chase Claypool in the third round would be a great pick. I'd be very happy with that. Um, but I would like to see them go with another receiver and bring in another young kid to maybe be your fourth, fifth receiver for this year and learn behind uh, the three guys that you have, because I think your three top receivers are very good receivers. All right, so I think uh, um, our D2 friend, if I remember correctly, I read that he can also fill in what the Bills call the big nickel or the buffalo nickel, where it's a safety who kind of drops down into the box and can cover more, which is a position that Sean McDermott kind of likes to, to fill, and he would be a good fit for that. Is that. Am I thinking of that correctly? Yes. Yes, and that's where I would see him being, you know, at least for this year and maybe into next year. Um, you know, Poyd and, Poyd and uh, or Poyd, jeez, <laughs> Hyde and Poyer, <laughs> put them together, you get Poyd. Uh, Hyde and, po- and Poyer are both getting a little bit older, right? I, I know Poyer just uh, just renewed for another couple uh, another couple years here, um, but if he can eventually turn into a um, uh, to a starting safety as well, and you can move him into that safety role. That's great. But I know McDermott loves playing that big safety position, um, and he played it a lot last year. So I think if you can plug a guy like him in with his speed uh, and his f- uh, physicality, I think that's a great move. Dude, I do that all the time with Terry and Kim Pagula, and I push it together and I say, Carry. And I'm, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't remember which one I was meaning to say. Um, yeah, so listen. My thoughts on this are the Bills have a good team. And like we said, there's no glaring needs that they need to go in and fill and bring someone in and like expect them to start immediately, which is weird to think about. Like every Bills drafted for how many years they've had, you know, choose how many needs to try to fill. And this draft, you're literally saying, even if they had a first rounder, you wouldn't need this player to start this season. And sure, they could win a job. They could have a big camp, and you know maybe somebody will get hurt. But you wouldn't take them with them penciled or or penned in to your starting lineup. And that's sort of incredible to think about how far this roster's come in the last couple of years. So, given that they're not drafting for need, what I think is that they are looking for key reserves who can become starters in the future. And I think Edge. Is a, is a huge spot for our, for the team, which we talked about. And I'm also looking at possibly linebacker. You're basically looking to bulletproof your defense here with some of these picks. And I know a couple of podcasts ago I said offensive line was one of their biggest needs, and that is true. They do have a lot of bodies there, though, so they need better offensive line play 
I don't know if they're going to attack that through the draft or try to hope the unit itself improves. And if they want to add more talent to that, that's great too. But I really see them going defense here, especially especially in the second round. So uh, for an edge rusher, uh, I've seen some things about Julian Okwara from De- from Notre Dame. He is interesting to me. He's he's six five two forty one. So he's that sounds huge for for an NFL defensive end. They they say that's a little bit uh, smaller than is is uh, prototypical, but he he still gets good power from that. So I would I would like to see that there. And you mentioned receiver. I was looking it up the other day. The they have everyone under contract for two more years. The top three guys. So between Diggs, between Cole Beasley in the slot, and between John Brown, they have that core is going to be here again next season. So there's no immediate path for a receiver to play, even though this is a good receiver draft. I also kind of like the guys that they have in, in the fourth and fifth slots. So. Down the line, I would say, yeah, I don't know if I if I like that right away at 54. Okay, let me ask you this. I'm going to give you three names here, and I want to know, would you take any of these guys at 54, okay? Um, if he, if they're there, obviously. Uh, if T. Higgins slides, because he's getting a lot of, lot of uh, um, I don't want to say like bad rep all of a sudden, but uh, he peaked early in this whole combine, and uh, in the college football playoffs, he... He was talked about as one of the best receivers coming in. But lately, everything I'm seeing, he's sliding into the second round. If Higgins is there at 54, do you take a, take a chance on Higgins? Uh, man, see, that's interesting to me because I, I literally had the same thought that you had, that watching the college playoffs, I'm like, dude, this dude, is this guy can play. Like, he's good. And I didn't think he was like Jerry Judy good, but he was good. And then, you, see, you know, you go through the combine, you go through the measurements, you have people digging into the film, and this guy is definitely lost some sheen on uh, his prospect status. So I think I think the biggest issue with him is that they he doesn't get uh, as good of separation as you want from a top receiver. So he is supposed to be good. I think, I don't know, the Bills, they could go more four receiver sets. They could phase out John Brown at some point. I mean, all those things are on the table. He's not a bad player by any means. So I'm not trying to like say it would be horrible to add a player especially when you really need to do whatever you can to help this quarterback too but i think uh given what the what they have there i might like to see another need filled there if they end up with that player he's a good player that's cool but i think just need need wise something else might be a bit, bit uh, better fit there what about defensive back obviously you know we talked about uh kyle uh kyle duggar coming in and playing that 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 big safety role for Buffalo, but what if Trevon Diggs is sitting there at fifty-four? He's a yeah, guy that I've I've seen thrown around a little bit to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw his name more when they were sitting uh, at tw- at uh, in, with the first round pick. Um, but he's another guy as well. I've been seeing him slide a little bit more into the second round. If he's sitting there, do you take a chance on on him as a defensive back? He's he's a lengthy uh, D back, but he's Again, a very good player. I I would not be disappointed with him either. Um, at, and he's literally Stefan Diggs' brother, so that would be a nice family connection there. Literally so, is. Literally is. So my, my <laughs> thought here is that I think the Bills have big plans for Josh Norman. I think he they they recognize that he was used out of position in Washington and he he's he's a he's a zone coverage corner and Washington wanted him to play man. And it's like why 
he clearly you saw on film, or if you just any game in Carolina with Sean McDermott, he's great. Sean McDermott wants to play cover three. So they have the two corners back off, and they have a safety back off, and they can change it up from there. But that's the base of it. Norman is great at that. And I think my feelings that the Bills have big plans for him. So given that they already have Tredavious White and Levi Wallace, who has had stretches of really good starting play in his career, that feels like three top outside cornerbacks. Not top, I shouldn't say that. But three serviceable outside cornerbacks that they could have. So would they go for another one? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, do they think somebody else could move inside and cover the slot? They have Teron Johnson there. They have some guys that are talking. I mean, we just we just mentioned a, a big nickel coming down and being basically a slot cornerback but with different different skill set. Um, it's It feels like that would be an abundance pick. They... they you know, I don't want to say embarrassment of riches, but like they, they're rich in that area already. It feels like. I feel like um, going after a defensive back, other than outside the safety, right? You know, I'm talking defensive back in general, but going after a cornerback specific at uh, 54, I don't think is the right move. I think you get a guy later on. One guy that I've really kept my eye on as well. He was being talked about as a high early first round pick before he got hurt this year. Was Bryce Hall from Virginia. Um, He's another guy as well. He's got uh, he's got good length. Um, he's got got good speed. I know the one big knack on him is uh, you know I, I guess his 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 route ability. Uh, there's some routes that kind of get him caught up and get his get his feet caught under him a little bit. But I feel like that those are things that you can work on, and I think those are areas where Sean McDermott and and Leslie Frazier have really shown um, where they've really been able to help younger players in this league and help develop them into very, very good players. I think Tredavious White is one of those. I think Trey White was good when he came in, but I think McDermott and uh, and Leslie Frazier definitely helped him take that next step into, you know, in my opinion, almost elite status at, the, at that point. Um, so I, I feel like Bryce Hall could be that guy, and he could be, a, you know, f- spend a fourth-round pick on a cornerback at that point. I'm okay with that. Um Another thing I'm seeing thrown around as well at 54 is running back. What do you think about possibly taking a running back there? I know it's a Man, position. Man, I, I don't want to hear. About. I don't want to hear it. I've been, I've been seeing this too. It's been <laughs> making me upset. Do the Bills do not need a running back with their first pick in this draft? Okay. What if J, What if J.K. Dobbins is sitting there at 54? Listen, J.K. Dobbins is a fine player. It's just not a running back at 54 is just a. It's it's poor value. That's that's what it is. Like you're not understanding how running backs are valued in the NFL. If that's your your pick for the Bills, they took Devin Singletary in the third round last year. Okay, mm-hmm. and he was good. We both like Singletary. You are expecting that the Bills will have a multi-headed running back room this year, headed by Singletary. So why would you want to a bring in a running back drafted higher than Singletary who would theoretically have more cachet, I guess. Like, why would you do that, first of all? Second of all, you don't need to take a running back that high. Like, the entire trend of the NFL the last three years has been running backs are overvalued. You don't, they're replaceable. And it's not that they're bad players. It's that there's so many good ones that 
why would you take one in the second round when you could get one in the fourth round or the fifth? Like just the you could do so many better things with that draft pick. I would be that's literally like one of the few things I would actually be upset about if they take a running back. That's just a bad value proposition. Nothing against the guys who are there. They're good players. It's that you can get a guy so many rounds later who's almost as good. There's also some some veterans out there that they could get if they really wanted to. But take a young cost control guy later in the draft, you'll be fine. Don't take a running back at 54. Okay. So we're we're going to talk more about running back here in a little bit because obviously there's a certain player out there that is being talked about a lot on the trade block, but uh, we're going to talk about draft trades in general here in a couple minutes. But, Nick, I actually have a fan question. Ooh. Uh, we love fan questions. Regarding the 54th pick, okay? This, uh, this question comes from Rick Hauser. Um, What's up, Rick? He, want, he wants to know about taking an offensive lineman in the second round over a de- another position. Do you think Buffalo could possibly take a chance on an offensive lineman? I really don't know, in my opinion, um, outside of maybe uh, Cesar Ruiz or Isaiah Wilson, if <clears throat> any of those two are going to really slide down into the second round, or if I or if I could see Buffalo taking a a chance on or reach on any other um, offensive lineman early on at fifty four. I know, in my opinion, I think outside of edge rusher, I feel like that's their next position of need, um, if not maybe equivalent with the edge rusher position. Um, but I feel like both of those are positions of need that I think that they do need to address and early on, either in the second or third round. Um, but I, I just don't know if there's too many offensive linemen that I would want to see them take a chance for in the second round where I can see a few of them falling in the third round and, and you can definitely go up and take a chance at one of them then. Okay, so I would say I could definitely see it happening. Let's, let's go across the line right now. Deion Dawkins, left tackle. Quinton Spain, left guard. Mitch Moore, center. John Feliciano, right guard. Cody Ford, right tackle. Backups are Ty Saki, John Feliciano. I'm sorry. He's a right guard. I wrote him in the backups in case they wanted to move forward inside for some reason. Uh, Spencer Long is there. They have Ryan Bates. They have Darrell Williams. They have a lot of guys in the fold. I definitely agree that they need better play from that unit collectively. But I am under the impression, at least, that the Bills seem to like all of those guys in some in some sense. Well, so, and Ryan and, Bates unless, was the guy that they traded for last year. Don't forget. Right, and I think he, I mean he, he feels like a backup, but right, right. But they have they have a lot of these guys that they've brought in to be to be their good depth players to learn the system. So unless they feel like they don't trust someone at all internally as much as they've let on externally, like where where would they go? I would think you you would want to either take a right guard or right tackle or someone who could fill in those spots. So you mentioned Cesar Ruiz; he's an interior lineman from Michigan. He would play right guard then and take Feliciano's spot is probably what you're looking at there. I also think it's possible, like if Cody Ford can't figure out how to play tackle this year, he's not going to get another chance. They're going to move him inside. Do you do you go early and take a – like I think they want him to be a tackle, so I don't think that they're going to take a right tackle. Like So tackle's out unless they don't really trust Dawkins. And in like 
I, I think Dawkins is fine as tackle. Let's yeah. I think Dawkins is fine as tackle. I think if if anything, if you're going to take a tackle in the second round, you're looking for someone to come in to then really allow you to move Cody Ford to inside at that point. Because right. I don't and think I don't feel like they want to do that. No, yeah. I, I I don't not yet. Maybe next year I would say yes, but I feel like um, you know I again like we said earlier though. You're really not going out and drafting, I feel like, anyone in the second round that you feel like is going to need to come in and start right away. At least looking at their current depth chart, right? Looking at their current uh, starters and kind of like projections for what they're, what they're going to start next year. I don't right. foresee anyone really needing to come in and start unless they have an amazing training camp. Right, um, or someone gets injured, which is very possible, but you're not planning right. for that. Right, right. Um so again, I'm okay with them getting the best offensive lineman on the board if they need to, but I don't want to see that happen at 54. I feel like um, edge is more important at 54 if you can find someone available uh, there early. I, or uh, all right, I would I would agree with that. I would. I just I don't know. I they need help on offensive line somehow. The union has to play better. If there's a lineman that they feel that can do that, I, so the t- I guess the answer to the question finally is yes. I could totally see them doing that. I'm just not yet seeing how it would fit in. But the coaches and like they know that way better than we do. So well, and I feel I the need as well, Nick. I feel the need as well is on the outside. I feel like Niseki last year got hurt a few times, or if you could find another center because you know Mitch Morris has had his history of injuries. He was also hurt last year. Um, I like I don't I don't hate Spencer Long, but I'm not like comfortable enough with him having to start uh, 16 games if he needed to. Um, so I'd rather see them if they had to go out and address that position, go out and address that position. Um, but again, I feel like the, this draft specifically is just so deep, right? I feel like you can go out and get a guy in the third round that's going to slip for slip for you that that could have late first round talent. You know what I mean? Um, same thing with an edge rush uh, position as well. You know, I think of a guy that I talked about before, uh, Curtis Weaver. He was a he was a standout at the um, at the combine, and he's another player. He's got a great first step. Um, he's got great hands. Um, his 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 flexibility and his mobility isn't the greatest. Um, but he's a, he's a good player, and he can learn behind a guy like a Jerry Hughes and learn behind your defensive ends that you currently have, uh, then allow him to make that 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 next step up. You know what I mean? Um, but he's another guy that you can get in the third round. So I let me ask you this question. How would you feel if they traded down from 54? I'm always a fan of trading down. Teams usually give up value by trading up. So if, you, if there's someone who wants to trade down, I'm almost always a fan. I feel like this draft is, unlike a few drafts that we've seen in years past, I feel like this draft is fairly deep. And lucky for Buffalo, I feel like it's pretty deep at almost every position where Buffalo, where you could look at Buffalo and say they have quote-unquote needs, right? Um, I feel like it's deep for the edge rushers. I feel like it's deep for receivers. I feel like it's deep for running backs, deep for defensive backs, and, and tight ends. I feel like the only two positions that you're really looking at that might not be as deep as what you'd want in the draft is really going to be your offensive line and your linebackers. I don't know. No. Every single year, it feels like t- teams just still take offensive linemen the entire draft. Like there's right. always 
and, and I, I'm almost a fan of taking an offensive lineman every single year just to have more bodies. Do you think – no, I saw this question floating around today as well. Does Buffalo take a quarterback at some point in this draft? Just Ooh, that's it, interesting. For, just, I don't, obviously, obviously for a backup role, right? Yeah, I was um, – if they were to do that, I would think definitely day three. They could take somebody in the sixth round maybe, but you also got to think about it. Almost no one who's a fifth, sixth round, seventh rounder actually becomes anything from that position. Tom so Brady. People say, "Oh, Tom, yeah, Tom Brady did it." <laughs> um, I mean, Ty, I, I looked this up when Tyrod Taylor was here because he, him, he and Tom Brady were picked in the same round. Um, he's basically the like one of the best uh, day three draft picks in the last several years at quarterback. Like, that's just about as good as it gets. I forget who the other names were, because this was a couple years ago. But, like, Tyrod Taylor is basically the best you can hope for, reasonably, with a day three quarterback pick. And people here didn't like the guy. So, I, you could take one. Uh, I'm, I'm of the impression that if Josh Allen gets hurt, and he's more likely to do so than other quarterbacks... You really don't want Matt Barkley leading the playoff push, but I want Matt Barkley leading it more than a sixth round quarterback. Like Nathan Peterman, I think what was he fifth round, and they threw yeah. him in there. It's it's like, but it's like what you like you knew what you were getting. There was absolutely no history of like rookie fifth rounders coming in and like leading a playoff push. Like there just wasn't. So it they could take one, but he'd be purely developmental. Wouldn't help you really if Allen got hurt anyway. And for for what? So I think I think number one, they like their quarterback room, and I think number two, if they were to bring somebody in, it would be either a veteran or like a you know journeyman type, or even like Tyree Jackson, who they had before, who could like be on the practice squad. You know, I could see them if they trade down at some point throughout this draft, and they get some later round picks. I can see them. Then saying, okay, you know, we've addressed every position we need to address. Now we're taking best player available, and maybe that player is a quarterback. Um, and there's a few quarterbacks out there that I would be okay with them taking. You know, I think of a, a Kelly Bryant, for example. Um, I think of a Bryce Perkins from Virginia. Um, and and those guys specifically, they're, they're guys that I think could really fit your offense, and they're guys that I think could also give you another option going forward in your offense. We know, um, you know, how much Brian Dable likes to kind of mix things up a little bit. Um, he he did some creative things at Alabama with, with some faster mobile quarterbacks. And I think if you can go and get a mobile quarterback to either be your third string or back up Josh Allen, however you want to do it, um, and maybe run some packages with, um, with that mobile quarterback, I'm not against that. I'm not against trying something new that's going to help your team be successful. Um, you know, I, I'm I, I'm a Florida Gator fan, so I do watch them from Florida Gator football, and uh, you know they do that a lot as well. They bring in the the backup quarterback. He kind of he has the option to either run or pass. And there's so many times you're watching, like, okay, he's got to throw this ball, got to throw the ball. The defense shots back to, uh, you know, play pass coverage, and he's running the ball for a first down on third and ten, third and twelve, whatever it might be. Um, so I'd be okay with kind of mixing up that way if you take one of those guys later. And at that point, you're just kind of experimenting. And that's stuff you can do um, early on and see if 
they have that ability to do that, whether it's through training camp or whether it's through the preseason, whatever it might be. Um, but I think for Brian Dable and his offense, we know that he likes to get creative at times. At times. I say that very loosely because we know how often we yelled and screamed at the TV last year because he wasn't creative enough. Um, but previous Brian Dable tape will tell you how creative he liked to be, whether it was at Alabama, whether it was with, with other teams he was with before Buffalo. He has definitely shown that he's a creative mind. Um, and I think if he can find more ways to make his offense more creative, uh, he's all for it. So uh, long long answer short, yes, I'm okay with them taking a quarterback late in the, uh, late in the draft. All right. And no, I read one of the Rex Ryan books a couple of years ago, and it, there was a section there about the draft, and they said toward the end, uh, the special teams coordinator was like always up in their junk about like, just give me one guy who's who can play special teams, like one guy who's an athlete, probably a linebacker or like a like I say, like just give me somebody who can play special teams. So that was interesting to me how, of how they they sort of view the end of the draft there, in getting just athletes who can maybe contribute somewhere. Um, all right, I got to talk to you about one other thing that I'm still concerned about. And to be honest, I would not even mind if they spent, a, you know, a day two, a third round pick on this maybe is we got to talk about backup linebacker at some point because Edmonds, Milano, and A.J. Klein maybe, that's a good starting lineup. If anything happens, like I'm still just worried about that, man. Like, like we said earlier, you're not drafting for huge needs. You're literally... Like, bulletproof your defense here. Make sure nothing can go wrong. They got to get some help to the linebackers, don't they? Like, like but behind the starters, yes. no one no one on this roster does anything for Like, Voshan Joseph could be, like, I've seen nothing that tells me, would make me feel comfortable if Edmonds got injured. He was also, don't, Voshan Joseph was also on IR last year. You know, he didn't. Um, oh, yeah, that, that was just an example. Any of those guys. Right, 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 right. But, but obviously we, we weren't able to really see what he could do, right? Um, I do think that it's definitely a position they need to address uh, throughout the draft as well. Um, again, if you have a linebacker sitting there at, um, you know, in the second or third round, I, I'm not against them going up and taking that linebacker. Um but at the end of the day, they need to um, address their positions of need. And, you know, uh, linebacker is one of those positions. You think about the edge rusher. You think about the, um, you know, m- maybe the number two running back position. And you think about um, offensive line. You think about linebacker. I think those are, you know, really some of their major positions. And if you don't take a linebacker early, like like I said before, I feel like you're going to be missing out on some of that better linebacker talent that can really come in and be that backup for you. Because don't forget, you don't have Matt Milano resigned yet. And unfortunately, salary cap at some point is going to become an issue. And we're not going to, Buffalo's not going to be able to resign everybody that they want. And if they don't get Milano now, um, you know, if they don't resign Milano now, who do you really have to step into that position if you're not able to bring him back? You know, even, they even still he got he got hurt. Was it two years ago? He got hurt, and they yeah. it was just a hole behind him. Well, and you think about for the other side as well. You know, you did lose one of your leaders on that that defense in in uh, Lorenzo Alexander. What's your plan there? I know they went out and signed a few few linebackers in the in free agency, but 
they do need to kind of address those positions and they do need to address, you know, address those backup roles because some of those guys may have to become starters in a year or two because you're not going to be able to go and resign guys. Don't they still got to resign Trey White? They still got to resign Deion Dawkins and they still got to resign um, uh, Matt Milano. I think those are your big three right now that you need to focus on resigning within the next year or so. Yeah, Milano is a key piece of McDermott's defense. That I would think resigning him is a top priority after Trey. Dawkins is interesting. It's it's funny you brought that up. I could. There are some scenarios. I'm not saying I advocate this. There are some scenarios where they're ready to move on from him, and just let him walk and and get a more pr- prolific left tackle. Yes. Uh, again, I I I think. In my opinion, I think Deion Dawkins, he hasn't hurt them too bad. You know, I think he still had to come into his own. I think he had a bad uh, second year, but he had a better third year. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so, um, too. I'm just, just saying that, like, he hasn't been – you wouldn't say he's been great. No, he's been good no. at times. He's learned from his mistakes. We'll put it that way. He definitely showed improvement last year from the year before. Um, yeah. But at the same time – like we just talked about before as well, Nick, you break up that offensive line, you're going to start breaking up that continuity that they're building. And Deion Dawkins is a big piece of that. You know, he's your, he's your blindside tackle. I don't know if how he would feel throwing Cody Ford over there or throwing a rookie over there. Um, after the continuity that this O-line is building and, and they're not a terrible O-line. I think they do still have steps. They need to take, take, um, uh, take forward. But I think if they can go ahead and, um, you know, lock up that O-line for as long as possible, that's going to be a big key for them going forward and, and hopefully making that deep playoff run and keep your, keep your uh, quarterback up and keep him healthy. Right. Now, obviously, have- the, rest of, the rest of that's going to be on Josh Allen, making sure he slides and doesn't try to fight for extra yardage and get himself hurt or get himself a concussion. But that's a whole other topic of conversation. Right. They have to get better on offensive line somehow. So if they do it with, with new players, if they do it with just more continuity, whatever whatever they do, it just got to get better. So let me ask you this then. Let's talk about some trades because there's an offensive lineman that's being talked about for trades that I, I interests me a little bit. I just don't know what your thoughts are or how much you know he might cost. So a few names that have really been talked about throughout uh, the, this week leading up to the draft – um, we'll start with the offensive lineman with Trent Williams. Is Trent Williams the guy that you could see Buffalo maybe pursuing and taking a chance on or no? Um, in terms of a need, he does seem to fit a need. I don't – that in the sense that their offensive line needs to get better and he's a good offensive lineman, I don't think they will, A, send Washington what it costs to get him, and then B, want to take on that salary when they already have Deion Dawkins here. So would their team get better if they did it? Like, it's possible. He hasn't played football in a year, but it's it's possible the team would be better if they just said, Dawkins, you're out. Murphy, you're, or, uh, you know, you're in. Trent Williams, rather, not, not Murphy. If they said, hey, you're in, like, they might be better. I just I don't think that they would do that given how much they have to pay him and what it would cost to get him. I would agree. I think he's going to cost too much, and I don't see them moving that second-round pick, especially after they gave away gave away the first-round pick. The only way I see them moving that second-round pick is to move down. Um, so, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, 
another name being thrown around as well, and I know a lot of Bills Mafia is in love with him, uh, and he has openly, especially the last couple of days, have, have said to Jacksonville, just trade me and get it over with, uh, is Yannick Ngakwe. Is he a guy that you would want them to move maybe that second-round pick for? Because I feel like he's going to cost you a little bit more uh, than some of the other players we're going to talk about. But um, is Neg- And he's addressing the need as well that we, we talked about it with the edge. Wow, that would be – that's an interesting one because if, if just say hypothetically if they trade their second-round pick to get Ngakwe. Ngakwe is also very good. <laughs> yes, yes but, he but is. you're you're literally taking like your top two picks, which is where you you get cost controlled assets, and just giving them away to get expensive veterans who are toward well a little bit more toward the end of their contract. Diggs has a couple more years left, but um, man, that would be an extremely win now move. I'll say that. I don't know that it's prudent in the terms of building a franchise if you're trying to win right now and you're like you know, Belichick will reload, like, this is really our year, and you're trying to go for it, like, there might be something there. I just I just can't see the Bills wanting to get involved with what that would cost. He's only 25 years old, you know, so you're still getting a young player with a lot of years left. Right, he's going to be expensive to resign, though, too. He will be. He will be, absolutely. And, you know, right now he's under that franchise tag. Um, if, if let's say they, they make the move and they... They bring in Yannick Ngakwe, whatever it might cost, right? We'll talk about strictly draft picks. They're not going to move any players out. They move a few draft picks out, bring Ngakwe in. End of the season comes around, they got to re-sign some players. And they, they're able to re-sign Trey. They're able to re-sign um, Ngakwe. Are you okay with them losing Milano or Dawkins to keep Ngakwe around? No. Don't okay. keep keep Milano. I think Milano is a key piece. He does exactly what McDermott wants him to do right there. I think keep Milano. I would I would think you could find something else to do on the edge. And you're and you're not as big I I think on Dion Dion Dawkins as I think some other people are as well. No no and I, I I don't I don't mean to imply that I think he's he's poor he just hasn't been he's been good but not great and i think if there's a chance to upgrade from that the bills should at least consider it okay okay um i'd agree with you on that i'd I'd rather see them kind of keep what they have i know i just said how much how important that core is at least to me uh i'd rather see them keep that core around as much as possible on both sides of the ball um especially because i feel like years past we've seen them do a lot of improving the defense and I feel like uh, this year specifically, they've taken that step in improving the offense by bringing in Stephon Diggs. I know it's only really one player on the offensive side of the ball, but they did a lot last year with bringing in Cole Beasley and bringing in John Brown. Um, so I, I, I think you need to continue to keep that offense together as much as possible, and that starts with you know re-signing who you have there, especially on that offensive line. Um, another Jaguar that's being talked about, and speaking of offense... Um, Leonard Fournette. I will reserve my thoughts on Leonard Fournette. I will let you go first on this. All right. So, so Leonard so, Fournette. So real quick, yes. let me lay let me lay this go out, ahead, right? So Leonard Fournette was originally being talked about being moved for a fourth round pick. Okay. 
It was then discussed later on today that no team is really willing to offer a fourth-round pick for Leonard Fournette. Um, I know we've looked up his numbers, and I'll kind of let you talk about about all of that. But um, if you can get Leonard Fournette for a sixth-round pick, is that something you go and do? And that is a question, by the way, from another fan. That is a question from Manny Asia who wanted to know, uh, do you go and acquire um, Leonard Fournette? Well, shout out to to Manny. Uh, quick, quick aside here. Manny had gone to every Bills game for. I mean, we're talking like a hundred plus in a row, if if I remember correctly. And he missed. He ended the streak because he went to your wedding, Charlie. He did. He <laughs> did. Right? Manny is, ended the streak to go to my correctly. wedding. Yes. Yeah. His. Yes. Yeah. That's right. His son. I, I I tweeted this out when it happened. His son flew back and made it to the game, and he was. And th- this was like while the Bills were like in a this very poor stretch. So it was. This it was two little, years ago. They they were six and ten that season. Yeah, this so was this was when ago. Josh Allen was hurt, I think. Yes. But yes. Yeah. So, uh, so shout out to Manny for the question, uh, Leonard Fournette. So I would say a sixth round pick starts actually piquing my interest here. I know that there's some people who would. Said I saw somebody said the Chiefs should should get him, and some another prominent football thinker quote tweeted and said he would make their offense worse. Um, and it, and it's it just depends how you how you view running backs and how you think about his role and if he would have the same role as he did in Jacksonville because if if you if you want to plan to do what Jacksonville did, which is just give him the ball too many times and just have him plow forward when you know a run is coming, no, don't do that at all. But I think I think Fournette he he's good he's a, he has the skills that you want for a sixth round pick the value there feels all right and his contract actually wouldn't be terrible because Jacksonville already paid his signing bonus so you wouldn't have that you'd only be paying his his base salary so he's on he's on a rookie contract he's a first round pick so the Bills um, yeah this May would be when they'd have to pick up his fifth year option. Which would be still a little bit more expensive, but not horrendously so if you really value his talent. So, um, so I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is yes, I like that. I think I like that toward the end. However, I will add, I didn't really know anything about Devin Singletary last year, and the Bills found this, you know, diamond in the rough. Basically, if there's somebody else who is younger and faster and cheaper, um, I. You know, by all means, bring that guy in too. Like instead, so I, I see both ways. If they pass on him, like life will go on. If they bring him in, that's great for a value. So speaking Always of value. Ru- speaking of running back, right? That that they would need to go out and trade for. Um, Matt Barreda from uh, or however you want to say his last name. I know I've heard it pronounced a million different ways. Barreda, um, I think. Barreda, I think that's correct. That sounds that sounds better. Um, sorry, guys. It's, it's ten o'clock at night. Like my my brain is almost shut off. Um, so he's also on the training block. He, training block. He's a uh, twenty five years old, undrafted. Um, he didn't have a, a a terrible season last season. Is he someone that would interest you if you can get him for a six round pick over Leonard Fournette? If you had to pick one of the two, I guess where where's that six round pick going and who are you bringing in? Wow, that's actually interesting because they're in some ways they're like total opposites. Fournette is this huge, uh, you know, big name guy had all, all kinds of praise, first round pick, 
and then hasn't really performed, at least stat-wise. And then Breida was undrafted. Like, you don't think a ton of them, even his own team with San Francisco, they kept bringing in other guys to, like, put ahead of him. And all he's ever done is, is perform. So I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know enough about how the Bills plan to use each guy to say, you know, definitively one of them is better. But I always, I always think about the scene in, in Moneyball where um, – where they're, they're talking about prospects and they're saying, oh, this guy, he's a really good hitter. And um, and then the GM looks back at him and goes, then why can't he hit? And it's like, Fournette's such a good running back. Like, okay, then why can't he run? Like his, his averages mm-hmm. per year are terrible. It's like, he's so good, why doesn't he do it? And I know that, that baseball hitting is way more individual than running, which is based on your line a lot more, but it's just something seems off there. I don't know if it's the workload with Fournette. I don't know. I don't know what it is. So, like, Breida is way less sexy just based on how big of a name he is. But he seems to always produce no matter what. So I'm not going to tell you one is definitively better than the other, but it's they're, they're a well, lot closer than people think. I think both guys that, you're, that you would look to bring in, right, they would be your – I don't want to say number two back, but they would be splitting with Devin Singletary. And is that something that you could see Leonard Fournette, I guess, wanting to do? I've heard reports this week coming out about him falling asleep in meetings, him missing meetings, him showing up late. Um, you know, obviously we know what kind of culture uh, McDermott and Brandon Bean have tried to build over those last few years. Um, and obviously, if if anyone read uh, Tim Graham's article in the Athletic yesterday, we know there's some kind of con- some concerns with all of that. But I'm going to let you guys go ahead and read that article. But that's definitely something you ought to touch on in another podcast. But. Um, is that a guy you want to bring into that culture um, for your your second year running back to really learn behind? Obviously, I think Devin Singletary's got a little bit different kind of head on his shoulders than what Fournette does, but um, I think Breida's got that speed, and 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 I think he's got more speed than Fournette, and I think it's a perfect one-two punch with Breida over. Um, um, Fournette at that point. I think if you're running Singletary and Brita, I think you got a very good one-two punch at that. Yeah, I um, listen. I don't. I don't know. I don't care what Leonard Fournette wants. Like, just running backs as a whole need to, or their agent needs to sit them down and just like kind of explain. Like, this is what's happening in the market. Like the position, the salaries, and everything. They're they're down as a whole because there are so many friggin' talented running backs because we're learning that a lot of their success is based on the offensive line because receiving is so much more of a bigger part than than just running itself or I, sh- I shouldn't say it's bigger but it's it's a bigger percentage of the job than it used to be like Fournette like weirdly feels like the straight ahead runner that they kind of wish Frank Gore was but he's just better he's also got a ton of mileage on him he's he ran for over a thousand yards last year at under four yards per carry. Like, the guy's had abuse on his legs already. It just it's just weird to think about. Like, I I don't know if the Bills are valuing the sports science. I don't know what I don't know what they really think about a guy like Fournette. It's just funny how much the game is trending away from players like that. Even as good as he was, fourth overall pick, the game is trending toward smaller, faster, shiftier guys who can catch. For what it's worth, Fournette and Breed are the same age. They are forty days apart, so they're both twenty-five years old, um, age-wise. But like, like carry-wise, yes. no, I I, I agree with you. Older has more on his like more more mileage on him. 
I agree by with the you way, on I that. should add he had 76 receptions last year. I shouldn't say he can't catch. Right. No, I, I think, um, you know, again, you're looking at two different, two different kinds of running backs. You got a guy that's carried the workload for a few years. Um, that last year, Fournette had a better year uh, than, than in 2019 than what he had in 2018. Uh, last year he had 265 attempts for over 1,100 yards, but he only had three touchdowns. Um, but he did have those 76 receptions, which um, I think yeah, and a bad Buffalo offense. was right. But I think Buffalo was also lacking that with Frank Gore. I think as soon as Frank Gore went in the game, everybody knew Buffalo was going to run. Um, but I also look at the free agency running backs that are out there. You look at Devontae Freeman, um, Lamar Miller, um, maybe even a Carlos Hyde. You know, those guys are still available if they'd want to take a chance at bringing in a number two back. I think my favorite out of all of that is Devonta Freeman because you're giving you're getting that extra power that I think Freeman has shown that he's more successful in a two-back system than him being the lead back and him being the number one back and him having to carry the load. I think he's shown that a lot with Tevin Coleman before Coleman was sent to San Francisco or, or was signed by San Francisco. Um, so I, I think Freeman would, would be another one that you could bring in um, that could maybe pick up those yards in the situations where um, – Gore was not able to pick up that that one or two yards that was needed on third down uh, when they would try to run Gore up the middle, and I think that would be Freeman's specialty, I guess. Man, they loved Frank Gore for no reason at all. He stunk. Great dude, just couldn't run the ball anymore. No, he, he looked good the first three or four games, and then he... Um, He's too predictable, I, though. Yeah. Shortly after that, well, I think the way they were using him also became very predictable. I think as soon as he came in, there was no play action. Very rarely was there a play action with Gore in the game. I think that you saw a lot more of, oh, Frank Gore's in the game. We know they're going to run up the middle because that's all they could do. Yeah, I think I read eight. that he he faced the the highest percentage of stack boxes in the league last year. Yes. Yes. I saw that as well. I saw that as well. Well, yeah. I, 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 hang on. NFL Next Gen Stats had that if you want to look it up. I'm pretty sure. And, um, and it was funny because Singletary was one of the, the least. Yeah, I think Buffalo's got some options on what they could do at the running back, back position, whether it's drafting one later on in the draft or going out and training for one of the two guys we talked about or um, waiting to see who's still out there in training camp. Um, I think that's the most important thing. So, um We'll see what they can do, and we'll we'll see what's sitting out there. Um, all right, so Nick, who wins the two of sweepstakes? Obviously, he was talked about so early on until he broke his hip about being the number one pick, uh, and then it was still talked about for a while about Tua and Joe Burrow. Um, now there's so much talk about uh, other quarterbacks maybe coming up being the number two pick and Tua maybe sliding, unfortunately, to the Patriots, maybe trading it up to get Tua. Um a lot of Tua talk going on this week. What are your thoughts? Where do you think Tua goes? Who ends up winning the Tua sweepstakes? It's been interesting to me how the process has gone between Tua was clearly the first quarterback prospect going into the college football season. Then Burrow started lighting it up. Then it was, who's, which one of them is going to be first? Then clearly after the national championship game and all the way through since Burrow's been number one. And But you think about Miami, they they basically tanked or tried to tank for Tua for how long? And then the last, like, two, two, three weeks has been, 
oh, Justin Herbert's coming out of nowhere. They might like Herbert. They want Herbert. They might trade up for Herbert. Herbert, Her-. like, I'm going to make, make a bold prediction here. I think Herbert is a total smokescreen. Some of the betting, the betting odds today were giving you better odds that Herbert was a second quarterback drafted than Tua. All right. I think Tua Tungavailoa will be the second quarterback drafted, and I still think Miami will get him. This it feels like a smokescreen to me. Every year before the draft, it's you know they're trying to throw people off the trail, trying to boost their trade value, whatever they're doing. I think, and and it is tough with the injury. No, the doctors haven't really had a chance to evaluate him. I think just from watching the film. And I feel like the teams have all they've been doing has been watching more film, more film, because they can't do anything else. Tua's film is incredible. Herbert is more of a prospect who's got the build and the arm, and his film is not as good. I think Tua goes to Miami. Dude, by the way, I was going to ask you later, like, what would make you the most upset if the Patriots end up with Tua? That will just like ruin the night for me. Oh, absolutely! If Patriots end up with Tua, I'll be pissed. I'll be pissed. Um, obviously, at that point, they're setting themselves up. But uh, I would like to see them take a <laughs> take a chance on um, a running uh, on a quarterback at some point. Um, the only three quarterbacks that I really see being um, good in a rookie year, I, I I think you got Herbert, who I think is going to, in my opinion, going to go to. If he doesn't go to Miami, I could see him going to a, um, a San Diego. The, Los Angeles Chargers, whose New Jerseys are beautiful, by the way. Um, yes. Or I could also see him maybe sliding down and um, going to a team like um, uh, like Jacksonville or or something like that. I could see Jacksonville maybe going up and getting a quarterback. Obviously, I know that they have um, um, what's his name back there, Gardner Minshew. Um, I almost call him Gardner Mustache, but uh, Gardner Minshew <laughs> back there. Um, but I do also think Jacksonville may be trying to tank for for Trevor Lawrence, um, which I guess is good because I don't want to see New England tank for Trevor Lawrence either. <clears throat> but uh, with all that said, I could definitely see those two guys going as as back to back picks at that point. It sounds like all three of them could be top ten. Even I think Washington's going to take Chase Young second overall. I don't see them moving out of that pick, and then Detroit is third. They have a ton of needs. They could trade down. They could stay and take a cornerback. Uh, I think it's Akuda from Ohio State. I'm, I probably said that wrong. But um, he seems good. Giants, they also could probably trade down a four. I don't know. I think I think Herbert goes in the top ten, probably to the Chargers. Could be wrong. That's what I'm going with. I'll be curious, man. It's going to be a good, uh, good first night to draft on Thursday. Uh, follow Nick and I on Twitter. I know I'm going to be tweeting throughout uh, night one and night two and probably throughout day three as well. I mean, <laughs> we don't have much else to do. Uh, so follow us on Twitter. I'm at Chowit68. Nick, what's your Twitter handle? At Nick Veronica. By the way, love the questions this week. Keep them coming. Yeah, guys, more questions the better. Uh, I always like grilling Nick, so whatever questions <laughs> we can get, send them on over. Uh, also, don't forget, to, if you're not, follow us on Twitter at the uh, underscore process pod on twitter uh we do post some stuff there every now and then we also post some questions that uh we like some answers to on there as well curious to see your thoughts um if you guys haven't listened to our last podcast about our buffalo pick three take a listen because i'm still blown away at the fact that nick does not eat his chicken wings with 
blue cheese. But uh, that perfect. I would love the to hear yeah. opinions on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Great, you can't pass up great blue cheese. But anyway, guys, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We always appreciate it. Uh, again, remember to like, follow, subscribe to the Process Pod. I'm Charlie Lukowski. That's Nick Veronica. Have a great night. Go Bills. And remember to always trust the process.